Welcome to Conversations with Toy, a blogcast tackling life one episode at a time. This is the time to air out life's craziest moments. This space is all about speaking about life's hang-ups and ways in which we can leave better than when we started. Topics are all about ways we can find space to be better in life, love, mental space and health. Happy Friday. I hope that you are having such an amazing week. We are down to the literal wire. It is New Year's Eve. Tomorrow is New Year's Day. And so there is a lot to unpack with everything that's going on. I want to say, first of all, Welcome to another episode of Conversations with Toy. If this is your first time, welcome to the podcast. We are here. We're glad that you are here. And every week we talk about different conversations, whether that be about family, whether that be about your friends, relationships. We really cover it all. This week we are talking about uh, grandparents and the inf- the impact that grandparents make on children's lives. We have Gramps Jeffrey. He is an amazing, and I mean an amazing children's um, b- book writer and illustrator. And he talks about basically using his own relationship with his actual grandchildren. He uses his grandchildren in the illustration of his book as he talks about um, not wanting to be three. So um, we just have an amazing episode for you today. So of course, we're going to talk about grandparents and what grandparents mean to uh, grandchildren. Um, I'm going to talk about my own experiences with my own grandparents. Um, But as I wanted to be clear is that with New Year's Eve and New Year's Day around the corner, Um, I wanted to make sure that we understood that there are going to be so many, and even I, like I am always a goal, a goal oriented person. I've been this way since I was probably, I want to say like in the second grade at the very least to my earliest recollection and, you know, always being about setting goals, trying to figure out what is the next steps for me. Um, that is very natural. And for some people, that's not, that's not something that they naturally gravitate towards. There are some people who struggle with what are the goals to be made? What, how do I even start off my goals? What if I have so many different talents? How do I fine tune that? And I'm going to tell you right now, um, we've learned from the last two years with this pandemic that, you know, having goals is still important regardless, but also being gentle with yourself, realizing that you can't accomplish everything um, in timing. And we've had to do a lot of pivoting. We've had to do a lot of adjusting um, with life, just how everything has been happening. So don't be so hard on yourself if you wake up on New Year's Day and you don't have everything in line and you're not moving towards every goal at every possible second. So don't, don't, don't be so super concerned with yourself, like allow yourself to have that breathing room. Um, New Year's Day really is honestly a celebration and really should be focused on that. I'm not telling you not to hit your goals hard. I'm not telling you to get up and, you know, and just do whatever you, you know, not do anything. Um, But also keep in mind that New Year's Day is supposed to be a celebration. Um, Our family has recently been hit with COVID, so we won't be having our normal celebration every year, no matter when the world was open up or not, I would have a celebration for our family. That means normally for just the people that live in our house, there have been times when we've had other people around as well. So yes, this will be the first year by which we will not be having our normal store celebration Um, In times past, I would have like, you know, I would decorate our house. I would have, you know, different desserts. I would make them myself. We would um, have big celebrations, huge celebrations. Again, this would be just the people in our home. Um, This year, we're going to be celebrating probably with some Tylenol and ibuprofen. We are still struggling and trying to recover. Um, so won't be a big turn up at all, but you know, one thing I am super grateful just for, even if we are together and we are quarantining, you know, harder than normal, um, even if we are together and we're not having a big celebration, um, just for us to be together because there's some families that can't say that. And what I'm grateful for is as some of my extended family members have gotten it recently as well, 
is that everybody is still recovering and recovering well. Um, whether you believe in the vaccinations or not, for our particular family, um, for our particular family, having those vaccinations is saving us from having worse symptoms. And so with that, we are very grateful that it hasn't been as bad. I mean, there have been moments when it has been intense, but it hasn't been to the point where we're not able to breathe or anything like that. And again, I've said this plenty of episodes, you can catch them, you know, there's, we're in season five, so there's plenty of episodes, but um, a lot of the, my extended family who had originally gotten in in the first place didn't do as well. And so anything that can prevent anybody from being on a ventilator or passing away or any of these extreme reactions is definitely ideal. And so continue to keep our family lifted up in prayer. And when I say my family, I do mean um, those who live in my home and then my other family members who have been diagnosed with it recently. Um, I've been getting, you know, text messages and phone calls from people and realizing just how much more people have been getting sick in this last few days. This new variant is very contagious. Um, it's weird because I've been seeing the memes and like the TikToks that were saying like, you know, we went through two years and didn't get anything was very strategic um, about how we moved and continue. It's not like I, it's not like the people that I'm around have just been like let caution to the wind. Like we all did our part. And now we're here at this point where this particular strain is so contagious that no matter how much we tried to be cautious, we still ended up getting it. So it's just a weird um, flow right now. And um but we're grateful again, being grateful that again, we're healthy, we're, we're together. Um, like I said, with our episode for today, we have Gramps Jeffrey. He is here. He is going to talk about his book. The title of the book is I Don't Want to Turn Three. It is an amazing children's book. It basically highlights the way to talk about getting, you know, when three-year-olds become that magical age, when they start to touch on the, the, they start to touch that, that era of responsibility when you start introducing things like, you know, sharing and they start understanding little things and how that, how they relate to the world. Like that is how the book is really, uh, transforming, um, the idea and having these conversations with the younger generation, younger children. And, you know, he illustrates this so well, but he, it's very easy to do because he talks about it and uses it from his perspective of his own grandchildren and we talk about his relationship with his grandchildren the things that he's been able to do with them and being super creative like how super creative he has been um obviously just as a grandparent in general but then also wrapping that around the pandemic and things that he and his wife have been able to do and we talk about that in today's episode and so if you're a grandparent or if you're a parent this would be a great episode to kind of tune in because there's some things that we talk about when we talk about discipline and how discipline has changed over the years we uh get right into the conversations about you know and he even gives credit to his children saying that they are great better parents than than him and his wife and you never normally hear that from an older generation an older generation will tell you that they are the end-all be-all they're the parents that kind of you know were stopped parenting and now this new generation of parents are no longer parents because of parenting parenting now includes um, being respectful of children and their their autonomy of their body and you know who they are um, some older generation, not all, but some older generation grandparents and parents don't give the younger generation any type of a high five, but he does. And it's such a refreshing thing to hear. So um, go ahead and give us a tune in for today. Even if you're not a parent and you're just like wanting to listen to the conversation about, again, the evolution of how parenting has changed, because I'm sure even if you're not a parent yourself, you can you can recognize and understand that because just things times have changed and you have to be a little bit more understanding and more direct and have conversations that parents um, back in my generation um, my parents didn't necessarily do their parents didn't do and so it's just a it's a beautiful flow of life and just how things have just evolving and I'm a firm believer of taking some of the aspects of the old school way as people would say and missing it in with some of the new um, because we need a combination of both 
you know, really to try to find a way to parent. And really there isn't any right way or wrong way to parent, um, outside of child abuse, anything that's becomes abusive emotionally, mentally, physically, those things are, in my opinion, are completely off limits and should not be included in anyone's parenting regimen. But there are a million different ways to get the same results. And as long as you're leading with love and love does not hurt, um, the love does not hurt in any aspect. And that's why I say emotionally, mentally, and physically, we have to keep that in perspective. So this is not the conversation to tell you how to parent. You know, there will be so many debates about what is correct and what's not correct. If you are thinking that that's the, the way that we're going in this conversation, we are not. But grandparents hold a special light and a special heart in a grandchild's life. And that's why it's imperative when I hear parents and even Gramps talks about it in today's episode when we talk about, you know, the grandparents who are just like, listen, I've raised my children. I don't have anything else to give. That's on y'all. Y'all do you. I'm gonna do me. Um, there's such a beautifulness that grandparents bring to the life of, of, of a parent, meaning their support to the to the child who is raising their grandchildren is very important as well as the relationship that they have with the actual grandchild. Um, Grandchildren really do gravitate towards those memories of togetherness. And when it's not there, they also gravitate and remember that as well. There are some children who unfortunately don't have the privilege of being able to say they grew up with a grandparent, meaning that um, their grandparent may necessarily not be raising them, but they're active, you know, active grandparenting is a beautiful thing. And the lack thereof is very stark um, to know that there's grandparents who just are so I've raised my own. And so now I don't have to do anything for yours. That is one of the my own personal um, pet peeves um, when it comes to the older generation who feel like, oh, I've already done my part. Um, there's a difference between a child uh, asking you to raise your child or asking you to be um, someone who kind of just encourages your children to, to make the right decisions. Grandparents have such a great role in how they influence a child. I know growing up, I actually even was around my great grandparents and the whole of my great grandparents not being here is very much felt um, their love and, and support of just my great-grandparents have been immensely, immensely um, prevalent in my life. And then when you add my grandparents, I have so many memories of doing things with both sets of grandparents, whether it was having spaghetti with my mother's mother um, and just living with her and remember playing with her and waiting for her to come home from work or with my dad's um, mother and father who or were hands-on they would pick me up if I needed to be picked up we lived at some point five doors away from them so I could walk up the street and see them or my you know any of my other family members at any given time and so that closeness that you have and those memories that you have and those stories that you have are becoming they're so prevalent when you get older as I've gotten older I've had nothing but the most appreciation because I realize it's a blessing to say that you've had those experiences with a grandparent. So as we go into the conversation with Gramps, Gramps is such an amazing um, man who is, again, a grandfather of um, himself. And he teaches through that, you know, the relationship with, with his grandchildren. And I'm hoping that, again, there's some tidbits and some little some little um, individuals that I hope that you apply to your life if you are a grandparent that is listening in that you will gravitate towards doing more with your grandchildren and making those memories if you are a parent that you get encouraged that the things that you're doing now um, even if you've never heard further from your parents or any elder in your life that you're doing an amazing job listen as a parent myself you know you you doing the best that you can and and it's a scary thought because you're like you know what am I doing I don't know what I'm doing how am I going to get from point A to point B and make sure that I'm effective in my children's lives? But then when you hear somebody say you're doing a great job or you may not never hear that, um, I'm just going to tell you as a parent, as long as you're trying, um, as long as you're being um, open with your children, as long as you're apologizing. And then when you apologize for the things that you're saying or you're doing is wrong, make the actual change because that is the true essence of showing an apology. 
um, is actually showing that change. So let's get into this episode. Thank you, Gramps, for being a part of this conversation. For all of our listeners, we truly, truly appreciate all of the love and support that you give, whether you share the episode, whether you uh, review an episode or uh, just downloading the episode is amazing as well. So we appreciate you. We wish you nothing but the absolute best and success in your 2022. And we are so grateful to be still rocking out with you season five and we are grateful. And so let's get into this episode. All right, Conversations with Toy Family, our community of listeners. We have an amazing treat today. We have Gramps. He is here to talk about his book. He's here to talk. Listen, if you are a parent, a grandparent, or a proxy parent, there's people who stand in the gap as parents or stand in the gap as grandparents. We salute you. We need more of you. We're glad that you're here. We have a great conversation for today. We're going to talk about some of the fundamental things that parents, grandparents are discovering with their children and how they lead. And listen, Gramps is here to tell his story with his amazing book. Gramps, take it away. Thanks so much for inviting me. You know, this is my name's Gramps Jeffrey, and my most recent book is I Don't Want to Turn Three. And, you know, kind of why did I write this book? It's uh, you know, living this past year because of the pandemic. You know, it was caused by the COVID-19 and isolation, except for being able to be with the, my family. It gave me a special time to watch and interact with all these grandkids. I got to tell you, what a trip that was, you know. <laughs> all six of my grandkids you know, have completely different personalities. Uh, the one thing they do have in common is they have a sense of curiosity and how excited they get when they do accomplish something. So watching them grow year to year and how they interact with each other is really the basis for this book. And you said you had six grandchildren? Yes, I've got, uh, I live in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. I've got okay. two of them here. I've got two of them in Austin, Texas, and two in Orlando, Florida. So this was a real challenge with this uh, COVID to, to keep uh, these relationships going. Yeah, I was about to say, how did you have that? How did you make that work? Because they're kind of spread out and not everybody is kind of close. So how did you ma manage that? Well, what's interesting is I had them all here for about six weeks during the, the uh, COVID, and then they went away. So we had a chance to really spend some time with them. And the one thing that all of these kids, and I don't know why, but all these two, three, four, five-year-olds, they love dinosaurs. Now, I don't know if your kids like dinosaurs. They do. But I, every kid I know loves dinosaurs. So we're trying to figure out what is the easiest way to keep in touch for the kids that weren't living in the same town we were? Because, you know, when I was growing up, my family was all around. My uncle lived up the street. My grandmother lived a couple blocks away. You know, they were all there. But in today's world, with us scattered all over the United States, it's a whole different thing. So uh, I hit on this. Everybody loved these dinosaurs. So what we decided to do when all the kids left town is we decided to take six of our dinosaurs and every night we put them someplace else in the house. So for instance, the dinosaurs were in the refrigerator eating blueberries. We had the dinosaurs at the sink with grandma washing dishes and they had soap on their noses. We had the dinosaurs playing the piano. We had the dinosaurs walking up the steps. So we had 50 different things within our house and outside our house that the dinosaurs did every night. Well, as, as grandparents well know, you know, little kids don't call you. You got to call them. And that's just the way it is. Yeah. But what happened was because of this interest they had in all these dinosaurs, when they were going to bed, they made it a point to call us. So they would call my wife on her iPhone, you know, for FaceTime. And uh, they would say, where's Gramps? Where's Gramps? We've got to see what's, what dinosaurs are doing tonight. So that's how we kept in touch. And it happened. The Orlando kids called every night. The Austin kids called every night because uh, they wanted to see what the dinosaurs were doing, you know, every night. Why? Because they had, were familiar with their house. You know, what were they doing that night? So I would urge your listeners, if, they, if they've got kids that are outside of where they can, you know, put their hands around them, is to come up with an idea, something like that, to get them to call you. Because once they start calling you, it's a whole different ballgame than you calling them when they're busy doing something. So that's how we kept in touch. That's pretty amazing and very interactive um, that you actually decided to do that because I think all kids of all ages, my kids are a little older, 12, uh, 12 10 and seven, and they still love dinosaurs. And so that's really amazing that you were able to tie that 
all the way in because you, like you said, that's completely interactive. Yeah, I mean, you've got to come up with a way. And I'm sure there's other things that, that, that you do. I mean, now that the dinosaur phase is over, you know, they are, our kids, our two boys in Orlando, you know, they love trucks. So we do something like that with trucks, whether it's a dump truck or uh, the, the kids that are in Austin, Texas, because they live right near a train track, they love trains. So, you know, they bring out their trains at night and we take our trains and we kind of play with the trains back and forth. So, you know, it, it, you just got to keep in touch because don't forget, you know, you only have 18 years with these kids, you know, and that right. goes, you know, you know, decades go very quickly. Uh, and if you don't establish a kind of relationship when they're young, you know, the, the, you, the, you may lose it. So as you probably can remember, there are lots of thoughts and things that you remember when you were a little kid, when you're in your 20s and 30s and 40s, you know, certain events. So that really is the impact of how grandparents uh, need to, 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 to be with their kids is what kind of impact can they use that these kids are going to remember, you know, 20 years from now. That is so true. Mike, like you, my grandparents lived five houses from our house. All of my aunts and uncles were in the same town. We were very close. And I still remember stories of things that we interacted and things that happened that I can share with my kids. Um, and so it works all the same. You're definitely hitting that right on the head. Let's get into your book of the review of I Don't Want to Turn Three. Why did you name this book, I Don't Want to Turn Three? Because I was watching these kids as they were, you know, one, two, and three years old. And, you know, they were having to take on more responsibility. You know, so I guess the, the real question is, at what age do mm -hmm. we all begin to take on responsibility for our actions? Is it three years old? Is it 13 years old? Is it 23? You know, <laughs> I'm a baby boomer and I got plenty of people my age that are 63 that still don't take you know, responsibility. Right, I'm 40 for and people don't take their responsibility either. Yeah, you know, so so that really is is the, the, the why I wrote I don't want to turn three because I could see that you know, that was the age when these kids were like I don't know if I really want to take responsibility. It's more fun let mommy take responsibility. And are you talking about responsibility like and sharing or like little little kitty chores like you know pull your sheets up on your bed like what is your level of responsibility because when you're two and three. That's when you first begin to start that process of engaging with other people and realizing what that means. Yeah, I think it's the, the, the whole thing of sharing. You know, when do you, when do, when do you start to learn that it's just not me, it's, it's us? You know? and, and that's really, it's very difficult for parents to see that with toddlers. You know? When do they understand the difference between me and us? You know? and, and another reason I thought three was good because you know, as a baby boomer myself, trying to understand the world, how has it evolved since I was three years old? You know, it's also part of the story. You know, my parents, they didn't have cell phones. They didn't have the internet. You know, they didn't have cable TV. They didn't have remotes. I, I was my dad's remote. He'd say, son, go change the channel. You know, and I became the remote. So, <laughs> you know, the, 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 the whole atmosphere of how we grew up versus how these kids are growing up now is, is something else. You know, my parents, the definition of a discipline is quite different than, than the parents uh, of today. You know, has, has today's world made it a better place for children to grow up? Yeah, I'll, I'll let your listeners kind of uh, answer yeah, that question. Know. You know, how, how are they growing up compared to how we were treated? You know, that, that, that really is, is the question. Now, in my opinion, these kids that are growing up, the two, three, four year old, they are the smartest generation ever. Yes. Ever. You know, us baby boomers, we think we're a smart generation. We don't, we're not at all compared to these little kids coming up. You know, and I think that's caused by several different reasons. One is, you know, they are exposed to the internet. They are exposed to iPads. They are exposed to access outside information. So they learn much sooner, much clearer, you know, with, with, with those, you know, and, and it's up to the parents and the grandparents to put in the real world kind of thing into what they're learning online but they have this opportunity. They are just so much smarter than we ever were. And our biggest challenge is how do you keep them motivated? How do you keep them growing? You know, and, and so that, that's another thing that, you know, that's another reason why I titled I Don't Want to Turn Three is this generation is just so much better than the ones in the past. Yeah, um, I remember when I first started to have my first child and I was like very dead set on telling my husband that I did not want 
them exposed to the electronics so early just because they are sponges. They soak it all up. And once you teach a child how to swipe and how to touch and how to do all those different things, and honestly, you don't even really have to teach them. You kind of just put it in front of them and they just have a sense of knowing. And they catch on so quickly. And I remember when we made that leap from the learning pads into the actual iPads and phones, and it was a night and day switch. They, they just gravitated and got it so fast. Oh, yeah. You know, the grandmother asked the nine-year-old, how do I do this? How to do that? You know, it, it really is a smart way to do it. Now, there are lots of things that I think have been a plus for, for this whole internet world. Um, my my six-year-old grandson, Levi, mm-hmm. somehow he got into the game Minecraft. I don't know if you're familiar with Minecraft, but it was something that's been around for yes. 20 years or so. And he is just this expert in Minecraft. And he knows all the terms and everything like that. Uh, and he you know, spends an hour a day doing his Minecraft thing. And he gets upset when somebody bothers him when he's doing it. Okay, but it's turned out to be a plus because what has happened is he has got his father now involved in Minecraft. And so it's a real bonding thing. When uh, his dad comes home from work, the two of them get on for an hour and they play Minecraft together, okay? Now this is a great thing to do uh, because in, in a sense, you know, Levi had said to his uh, dad and his mom, he's, you know, cause his dad's a huge football fan and he mm-hmm. watches football right and left and basketball and really sports guy. And Levi says, I'm not really interested in that. You know, I, I, I don't want to sit there and watch football with dad all day, but he's got this bonding thing uh, now going with his dad that he can play this Minecraft. Now, at the same time, his, his mother says to him, um, well, if you don't like football, you know, you don't like basketball, what kind of sports do you like? He says, I like bowling. And she says, what? Bowling? Where did you get that idea? We have never talked about bowling at our house. We have never gone bowling. How, why, why all of a sudden are you excited about bowling? Well, that's the grandfather's influence because right. when they come over to our house, we've got the Wii. I don't know if you remember Wii. From the oh, no, we still have that Wii and bowling yeah. is our favorite game between that and jousting. Yeah. So so when, when Levi comes over to our house, we get out the Wii and we do the tennis and we do the you know the golf and we do the bowling and we do the boxing. You know, he loves that, but he has got hooked on bowling. So, you know, that is something that whenever he comes over, he says, let's get the Wii on. Let's go bowling. But it was so funny that his mother last week had no idea that he had this interest in bowling and that was one of the influences of grandparents so i I urge grandparents to figure out what how can you influence these kids you know if he grows up to be a great bowler wonderful but at least it gives him an alternative to what he's doing at home that's true i always love to i like to pick the brains of those who i find to be grandparents because you guys have already raised a set of children. You've already done the things that we're starting the process of doing. And I know in the book, you're talking about this, this, you know, going from baby into really stepping into the the understanding of, you know, what's right and what's wrong, or not necessarily what's right or wrong, but just that responsibility of like the sharing. And, you know, when the child turns three, the world opens up a little differently for that child. How is it, you know, being a grandparent versus when you were a parent and that you've seen that opening of, of that age. How different is that for you? Oh, it, it's, it's much different. <clears throat> you know, you're very protective when you're raising your kids and you make a lot of mistakes. Yes. Uh, luckily for me, uh, our kids turned out okay. And they're <laughs> much better parents than we were. Uh, you know, and, and one example is discipline. I mean, like, for instance, how do you discipline your kids? When they do something bad, what do you do? What do I do? Yeah. Oh, we have conversations. Um, we talk about what it is that they've done wrong. We talk about the scenarios of which they could have done things differently. Um, we try not to raise our voices. We try to have um, more just of a dialogue and a learning experience from compared to where my parents taught me. There was just straight discipline. It was like, you knew what you were doing. You did it wrong. And now this is the consequence. We still give out consequences, but we want them to learn away from you know, this, this consequence happening and actually learning how to interact, especially because if it's a life lesson that you want them to learn so they can take that life lesson with them. 
Now that, yeah, this is a real evolution because my, my kids discipline their kids by putting them in timeout. They, 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 and the kids are scared to death to go to the high mountain. Yeah, because oh, well, that's away, good. Yeah, you know, takes them away from the other kids and puts them in a corner looking by themselves. But if you think about the whole way discipline has evolved, mm-hmm. now I grew up in the fifties and the sixties. Okay? okay, you know my parents were part of the greatest generation ever. They're the ones that saved the world. They're the ones that saved democracy. Right. You know, they, they went through the depression and they uh, went on to World War II and they saved the world. And so they were a very disciplined group. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and we were brought up, my generation, the baby boomers were brought up very disciplined. You know, if my brother Larry and I did anything bad during the day, my mother would say, wait till your dad gets home. And he would come home, he'd take off his belt and he would chase us around the, uh, you know, the kitchen table, you know, because that's the way discipline was. Right. Um, it didn't change much in the 80s because I was an 80s baby and that's that's how it rolled down too. Yeah, you know, he he had this paddle, uh, this fraternity paddle that he also used. So one night when uh, when he and my my dad and mom were gone, my brother and I went to their closet and we grabbed his fraternity paddle. And uh, and this was in late fall. We lived up in Ohio and we took it outside and we buried it into the leaves. And then the next night it snowed. And we went back out that spring and the paddle was gone. It was like a miracle to me. This is like, oh, <laughs> you know, we really created this miracle. The paddle is gone. Right? But then, you know, that was discipline back then. And, right. and we, I think, learned that it was crazy to do that. And we started to discipline our children a little bit differently. Uh, and now it's evolved into timeout and talking. And so, you know, we're talking about how is it ev- the evolution of discipline. You know, that's what it is now. And and that is improved. That's the way to do it. Not the way that my dad did chasing me around the table. Yeah, I mean, like I said, as an 80s baby, that paddling or spanking or whatever you want to call it um, didn't change much for for us as, as, a, as a kid for myself. But then, of course, as you become a parent and then you start looking at different things and, you know, there's more understanding and knowledge. Now, you know, that, you know, that's a little bit different. And especially when it comes to this knowledge of like, especially when a child is three, you start that process of trying to, you know, the whole word no. And you try to tell, you know, try to guide this child, you know, away from something that may harm them or guide them into whatever the case may be. And then this concept of do they really understand? Does a three year old understand what you're trying to communicate. How do you communicate effectively to a three-year-old? Because it's at that cusp of three that they start to begin to assert themselves. They speak, they may talk, quote unquote, talk back. So then you have this back and forth dialogue of like what it means to be three and and do they understand? Well, let me give you a prime example that happened to me this weekend. Uh, We went to Austin to celebrate uh, Grace's three-year-old birthday party. Okay, so she just turned three this weekend. Uh, and so we had a chance really to observe her. Well, there were a couple of times she said to her mother and to her brother, I need my space. And she would go to the side of the couch with her book or with her iPad and be away from them. Well, what was interesting is her brother, who's four and a half years old, understood that. And, you know, there were times that he says, I need my space too. And he would go to the other side of the couch. Now, they didn't make this up themselves. Their mother, at one point in time, said to both of them, I need my space. My space right. And, and so they learn from that. Right. And it really helps with the discipline. When one of them feels that they're, you know, they're getting a little crazy with the other one, they'll look over and I need my space and they'll walk away. So you're right. That kind of, this, that's how it's evolved over the years. And, and that's, that's a beautiful thing that a three-year-old can articulate themselves and then also be respected because the other dynamic of, of discipline is having children have autonomy over themselves, over their bodies, over their, what their needs are. That was not something that, now I can only speak for me. I, I can't speak for nobody else's generation, but my own, but I know that was definitely not something that I grew up with where I could tell my mom I needed my space because there was no such thing as needing space. Like it was never, any of that type of conversation never went down. So you asked me about the role of grandparents, you know, and you know, the good thing about grandparents is we can give them back. So in other words, <laughs> we can spend time with them, you know, but, but we can give them back. And right. you know, I, I'll give you an example. You know, a couple of weekends ago, the ones here in town, the parents went around, wait for the weekend. So we had the two kids. And so, you know, we did everything great. You know, 
obviously we played the Wii with them, but then, you know, we're in Arizona, so we went swimming and then we went to the park, you know, we went to the museum. We did all the things that grandparents do to, to help influence the kids and play soccer. Um, and then on Saturday night, my, my wife said to Levi, she says, I want you to eat this food because he's a very picky food eater. Mm-hmm. She says, I want you to eat this food. And if you don't eat this food, you know, you're not going to be able to watch TV tonight. And he didn't want to do it. It became a major issue. Right. Know? And so the next, you know, the next day we gave the kids back to the parents and the parents said to the kids, you know, well, how was your weekend? Well, Olivia said, it was great. We went to the museum and played soccer. We had a wonderful time. The only thing Levi remembered was grandma wouldn't made me eat the stuff I didn't want to eat. He says, I'm so upset about that. So what happens is grandparents help create uh, uh, memories for kids. So, you know, I can, I'll tell you in 20 years from now, Levi is going to remember that his grandma made him eat, made him eat something he didn't want to eat. I mean, that's just one of those memories you create. Uh, and so, you know, that's, that's the role of, of grandparents is that, you know, take them and, and teach them as much as you can. You know, one of the things that grandparents need to make sure they do when Ever they're with their grandkids is they need to make sure they read books with their kids. Okay. Now, obviously, I want to read my book, but there's a hundred other great <laughs> books out there, right. you know, that, that they can, can read. And and again, I'm thinking about kids two, three, four years old you know, that are influenced by uh, by grandparents. You know, and 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 it happened to me last weekend. You know, the, the, the smartest thing to do is. Let the kid pick out the book. You know, they got all these books here. Let them pick it out. So they become involved into it. Um, and then, you know, the, the one of the reasons that you need to do reading is because it helps bond with the child. That 10, 15 minutes that you have gives you that quiet moment. You know, like this weekend, they handed me the book. I'd start reading it and they'd jump on my lap and they would sit there and we would bond for, you know, 10, 15 minutes. Now, the other reason that you need to make sure that you're reading kids' books every single night is it supports listening skills. You know, you and I both know as adults that listening skills really are our number one trait. The better we listen, the more we learn, the better we communicate. I mean, it's just something we have to learn. Right. Uh, and if you can teach them this at two, three, and four years old, how the, the supporting the listening skills by reading to them every night, you know, that, that's going to work. It also helps with the cognitive and the language development. You know, there's going to be words in a book they don't understand, so you can explain it to them, so that's a way for them to learn additional words. So you want to make sure that they just read books to learn more and more words. And then, you know, another reason is the attention span. You know, little kids don't have a lot of attention span. But if you can sit there with them 10, 15, 20 minutes and concentrate on a subject, their attention span, it just, it's the greatest thing. So if, if your listeners get anything else out of our conversation today is please take the time to read these kids' books and spend, spend time with them because uh, that really is a bonding way. Yeah. So that's my advice. What is the goal for this book? Because this book is very, um, the illustration is awesome. And, you know, it's very easy for, like you said, to spend that time. And if your grandchildren or a parent wants to use that book to read to their children, what is the goal of that, of your book? Well, the book is really based on true story. Okay. In other Mm -hmm. words, all the pictures that are in the book are pictures that I had taken of the kids. Uh, you know, like the, the cover of the book is uh, Levi and Jackson in the bathtub. Well, that's a picture that I took of them in the bathtub. And then the uh, illustrator turned it into a cartoon. So it, um, it, it's, it's a true story. And I am sure that this sharing problem and responsibility problem affects every family in the world, not just mine. I mean, I, I'm <laughs> sure that every, every family has... Uh, has can talk about what's when their kids aren't sharing and so forth. So that's the purpose of it is to start that conversation with your kids, you know, on, on how to share. And has your grandchildren listened or have you read them the book? Well, what's interesting is uh, over Thanksgiving, I had four of them here. And uh, one night, Olivia, who just turned nine, grabbed the book and grabbed her three you know, siblings and, and cousins. And for some reason, they went underneath my desk and she started reading the book. They didn't know why I was sitting at the side, kind of listening to it. And so as she was reading the book, Levi says, you know, that's me in the bathtub. And uh, Jackson <laughs> says, you know, uh, that's me with my dinosaurs. You know, so you could just see that they were really enthralled in it. 
And then uh, the, 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 a couple of weeks ago, uh, Olivia's class, they had to bring in a book and dress up as a character in the book and kind of read it to, to their classmates. Well, you know, on one of the pages where she goes to the zoo with the grandmother and uh, Jordan, that uh, she's wearing this pink dress. So she got the pink dress out of her closet and she took the book in and she dressed up as herself and read the book to her class. So, you know, that kind of stuff is just priceless. It, you know, I, I can't buy that. Right. And then that's another memory that you're leaving with them that they'll have forever to cherish, that they were a part of something that was a part of them, something that was they didn't even realize they were helping to create. But then in the same token, like this is a part of their history. They can look back. They can touch it. They can feel it. It's something they can touch. just tangible. Well, what's interesting is um, Olivia came to me last week. And she says, I got an idea of a book I want us to write. She says, I don't want to turn 10 because she just turned nine. Uh-huh. I, said, I said, Olivia, I said, what kind of ideas do you have? Do you want to write a book that says, I don't want to turn 10? She says, well, I've been worrying about a bunch of stuff lately. She says, you know, I'm going to get my driver's license when I'm 16. I said, that's seven years away. Why right, are you worrying what? about it now? She says, I don't know, but it's, it, I'm really thinking about it. And she says, and then I got to go pick out a college when I, you know, when I graduated 18. I said, what are you worrying about now? She says, well, I've kind of eliminated the college. Here's the kind of colleges I want to go to. She says, but I really don't want to make those decisions. She says, I'm just nine years old. I don't want to have to worry about that stuff now. She says, I think that would be a great topic for I don't want to turn 10 because I really don't want to turn 10. Wow. The, I'll tell you, these children are so advanced in their thought process and what they think about and what's on their plate. Oh, yeah. You know, and when you think about it, a lot of that comes from how you interact and get kids to read books. Okay, Because right. you, know, you want to, you know, what you want to always think about as a parent and as a grandparent, um, it's necessary to teach children how to think. Not what to think, but it's necessary to teach them how to think. And if you take that attitude, you know, as they're growing up, even as they're driving the bus and so forth, you want to keep thinking, how can I teach them to think? So like when you're reading a book, uh, what you want to do is you, before you even read the book, you want to ask the kid, you know, what do you think is going to happen in this book? You know, let get them involved quickly. You know, what do you think? Here's you. You picked out the book. We're sitting sitting on my lap. What do you think is going to happen in this book? You know, and start to have them start thinking again. You know, they'll they'll come up with their own way of thinking, but you want to start always thinking. Then then you know, as you're reading the books, these kids, you want to you know want to say to them, you know, what are the characters in the books? You know, who are they? What is the setting? Let them keep thinking, thinking through the book. You know, as you're reading through it. Yeah, and then ask them, does anything in this book sound familiar to you? Have you ever gone through it? Is, is, is this related to you? And then obviously when you're done with the book, what is your favorite part of the book and why did you like it so much? So, you know, one of our roles as adults, and, you know, and I'm realizing this as I get older and older, you know, is we've got to teach. We've got to get kids to start thinking, you know, beyond, you know, just everything that they do all day long. That is so true. I'm glad that you said that. So now that you've gotten this first children's book out of the way, are we going to see more children's books? Because you tell the story very, very well, easy to read. And from a child's perspective that they can learn as well. So do you have any other books that you're brewing or hoping to come out soon? Well, I'm, I'm working on, I don't want to turn four. Okay. And then <laughs> Olivia says she wants to work on with me. I don't want to turn 10. So we'll probably start a series. I don't want to turn four. I don't want to turn five. Uh, because, you know, as you well know, as a parent, the, these different years, something different interacts yes. with the kid's head. Every year, something definitely opens up in their learning. It's almost like they get activated with some type of new lesson or new thought process that they have to focus on. You know, I talked about the questions that you should ask your kids, you know, as you're reading a book. But there's one question that I think we should all ask our kids every day, whether it's a dinner whether it's, uh, you know, at reading a book. And that is, you know, what did you do today that was nice to someone else? Mm. Okay. You know, that's a question. Uh, at first, the first time you ask that question, they're going to look at you like, I, I don't know what you're talking about. But, <laughs> you know, as you, as you ask it every night, then all of a sudden, you know, it may, it may be their siblings that they become nicer to. 
I mean, we consider, but what did you do today that was nice to someone else? Because if we can get that ingrained into this generation's mind, you know, that, you know, we, we as America have got to help each other. Right. And if we can get that ingrained in their mind, you know, what did you do today that was nice to someone else? Uh, I, I think, again, I told you, I think it's the greatest generation. I think this will put them over the top. Yeah, it's that social interaction and that social responsibility of thinking again, and that's the one of the book's purposes of thinking of of outside of yourself, that it's not just about you, it's about how you interact with other people. And asking that question will help that in every regard. Because sometimes even as adults, we need that reminder as well. Um, you know, what are we doing to make this world a better place for someone else? Like, how are we interacting with someone else? And how are, when we leave someone, and that's one of my biggest things with my children, I tell them when you leave someone's presence, like, how would you want them to see you? How would you want them to interact and feel the way that you left them? And that's important as well, too. Yeah, you know, again, I, I said that one of the reasons I wrote this book was because I wanted your grandparents more involved in kids' lives. You know, when you think about it, there's you only have 18 years and you know that that goes quickly those couple couple you know before you know it 18 years is over these these decades have gone very quickly for me i don't know if they're going faster than you but all of a sudden you're getting old um, so <laughs> so you know the, the, the 18 years goes fast and you know so you've got to make sure as a grandparent you know they're only young once and you got to get there and, and then this grandparent you're only one young once too i mean the other scary thing is you, know, you could be here today and gone tomorrow as a grandparent. So right. you've got to maximize your interaction with these kids every single day. You know, the, the future is unpredictable. So you got to live for today and teach them for the day and, you know, mold them for today. Uh, you, you need to come be part, come part of the routine. You know, again, when I was a kid, I was lucky. My uncle's up the street. My grandmother's around the corner. You had the same opportunity in your life. But right. in today's world, you're not. You know, I, I, you, you got to force yourself to somehow become part of the routine Now we did with the dinosaurs, but there's got to be other things, you know, that your listeners can do to become a part of the routine with their, with their kids, because you do have an influence. I mean, right. you can remember, I'm sure you can tell them plenty of stories that the grandparents told you or did with you that you still remember. So those are the kinds of influence, you know. Hopefully that you'll only remember the bad food that we made them eat, but, <laughs> but you know, that, the, you know, that got other too. things, that you know, and, 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 and don't be afraid to initiate again, two, three, four year old kids, they're not going to initiate to call you. You got to go after them. So, you know, it's a role of grandparents to get involved and to influence and make this the best generation yet. And I'm grateful that you said that because, you know, a lot of parents need to hear that. And as a grandparent, hearing you say that, I mean, I'm not a grandparent, but as you being a grandparent saying that is really hopeful that parents feel that support from their from their parents and that you supporting the children really does support the parent. And so that's helpful too, knowing that they have another positive influence that they can call not just on birthdays and not just on um holidays that we that grandparents take that initiative like you said to really be in interactive with their grandchildren and that's really really refreshing to hear and i'm hoping that if you're listening and you're a grandparent and you may not have done the best job as far as being interactive maybe you dropped the ball a little bit because you were expecting again a child or the parents of the child to do that first step just to take that initi that initiative because again doing that and even the parent seeing that supports the parent too as well because i know as a parent seeing grandparents step up and do that and be that love and that again that influence is very much helpful to me as a parent you know and that's really one of my missions because I see my generation of baby boomers you know some of us are very involved but there's a good portion of us that say Okay, I raised my kids. You know, it's their, their responsibility. I got other things to do with the rest of my life. You know, and, and ah, that's not the right attitude as far as I'm concerned. I mean, we we've got so much that we can uh, to teach these younger kids. You know, but the, the, there's a whole part of our generation that says, "I'm done. It's your responsibility." You know, so I guess you know, what the real message is: when you love, you will teach others how to love. And that's what grandparents need to do. You know, when they show their love for these kids, you know, those kids are going to learn how to love others. You know, and so that's the thing we have to keep in our mind is why we have to interact with these little ones. 
I love that. And if there is a way, if you um, have social media or any way for other people to get involved to one, to find out what you're doing to keep abreast. So when you drop number four of, I don't want to be four, <laughs> um, they can grab a hose to that. How can they find you? Oh, they can come to my websites, grantsjeffrey.com or I don't want to turn three.com. Yeah, so I've got a couple of websites. I'm on all the social media, but I would encourage you, please, I'd like to talk to people individually. You know, email me at gramsjeffrey at gmail.com. That's gramsjeffrey at gmail.com. And I'd love to talk to you further about the, what this is all about and how we, you know, as the older generation are on a mission that we can bring these kids along. I love that. And if you're listening, I know sometimes one of my, some of my listeners are listening and they're working out or they're doing something that's moving, active, driving, whatever the case may be. Remember, we will keep all of that information in the show notes so that you can click on it and then make sure that you're able to email Gramps, that you're also able to go onto the websites because again, we need more grandparents joining the forces of really being there for their grandchildren. And also, again, like I said, plenty of times that also helps to support the parents as well. And again, the biggest issue is making sure that children are able to see themselves as they grow older and learn those key lessons that they need so that they can be really great at social interacting with each other and just being better humans, to be honest with you. A lot of these uh, conversations about, you know, are you being nice to other people or how are you looking? Like these are things that we need as a baseline so that again, with all the smarts, technology and all of these things that we have, we can make these, this generation, this new generation, one of the best. So yeah, when you can find my book on uh, Amazon, on Barnes and Noble, on all the major websites on the internet. So feel free to pick it up. And then once you get it, call me and let's talk about it. Absolutely. Rams, thank you so much for being a part of our amazing conversation in our community, because we are always about trying to find ways to support one, um, other creatives, and that could be authors um, and any type of creative. And also when it has a message that aligns with being better, like being better every single day. And that's what we're here for, to make sure that we are better. You might've been saying to yourself, well, I'm not a parent, I'm not a grandparent, but maybe in the future you will. But even, even if you're not, at the end of the day, give this to someone else that's a parent. Share the book with another child. Children love books, quite as it's kept. Children absolutely love books. And so if you do nothing else, give this book to an, a child as well. Uh, my children, they get books all the time. We are at Barnes and Nobles very much faithfully. They know me by name there. Um, I'm not ashamed of that. We have little bookworms. They love to soak up that energy and all the new adventures that they can learn in books. And really that's what books are. Books are an adventure, whether they're teaching you through somebody else's story, they're adventures. Great. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. You're welcome. Thank you as always for joining me. And I know that even in the deepest or joyful conversations, that there's something we can learn and apply. Until next time, I hope that you are doing better. If not, we will be back to talk some more and handle it. Peace to you and yours. Stay grounded.